The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. I wasn't even looking for a job. And then my fiance, he's like, hey, they're looking for a director of marketing. I was like, you know what? That would be awesome. And so I applied and ended up getting the job. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now, here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome to the Kilroy Report, where we talk about extraordinary people who are building extraordinary businesses in pretty ordinary times, except for the fact that like the last two and a half years have been nothing like ordinary. But I am so, so, so super happy to be here with Madison Copeland. I've known Madison for quite a while. She was actually a client and she started uh, a really great SEO agency, and she had some great clients, but then she made an amazing switch where she shut down her agency and became the marketing director at Rep Fitness, which is a CrossFit-focused sports gear company. Home gym, home gym. And we were just talking before we started recording, and the happiness that is spilling out of Madison's face is, is so extraordinary compared to the struggles and stress that she experienced as an agency owner. And so I am so excited to talk to you about your decision to shut down your agency, what it was like to go work for somebody else again. And then maybe we can talk about what somebody in your position is looking for or responds to when they're thinking about engaging with an agency or a freelancer or something like that. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So, all right, all right. How, so, so was that what, was that a good introduction? Yeah. All right. Cool. Great. So, so first of all, let's like let's just give the plug to to Rep Fitness. Tell us all about it. How how awesome it is. How good the marketing is. Yeah. So, uh, Rep is in the home gym industry. We make really amazing home gym equipment. We make racks, barbells, benches. And a lot of people know one of our bigger competitors as the number one in the space, but I genuinely believe that Rep is the most innovative company in the industry right now. And it's really fun to be a part of the marketing team because we do have a challenge, right? We've got this mountain to climb of overtaking our large competitor, but it's backed by this amazing team of engineers and like super passionate leadership team. So it's just, I feel very passionate about everything that I am doing. So that's, that was like the big shift of going from agency to in-house is feeling way more connected with the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So, so with, for, tell me like, what's the coolest product? Cause we'll put that in the show notes. Like what's, what's your, the, what's the product that you think is the most innovative and cool? Yeah. So we've got this new rack attachment coming out. It's coming out this year and it's called the Aries attachment. And it's essentially like an integrated functional trainer that mounts onto your power rack. So our whole thing is saving space in your home gym, small garages, and you can literally do everything you could ever want to do with this rack attachment. Cool. Is that out yet? It's coming out. All right. So when it comes out, we will attach it to this podcast episode so everybody 
can take advantage of the Aries attachment. That would be cool. All right. So so let's jump in the Wayback Machine. It's uh, whatever, 18 months ago, thereabouts. You are you, like six months. You worked it's at an agency. Pretty new. Well, is it really? Wow. Okay. So six months. So so like you had this agency where even though you were kind of like a, a one armed paper hanger, right? You were doing most everything. You were landing like top shelf clients and beating out really big agencies. And for for a lot of people, they'd be thinking that they would be like, like I am awesome. Like this is so good. And and there are these bigger, better, faster, stronger competitors that have way more resources. But but you were you were winning. So what led to you being open to doing something else? Yeah. So I, there's two things I want to say. So one is I think owning an agency is what helped essentially expedite my career. The hats you have to wear and like the quality of work you have to produce, I think puts you so far ahead people that stay in house. And that's not to say there aren't super talented people in house, but I've probably worked with over 150 e-com brands in the past eight, 10 years of my career. And that's just so far beyond what I think you get to experience staying in house. So that's like the huge benefit of having owned and run an agency. Now, when it came time, you're right. I I would say when I left the agency, it was probably at its most successful peak. But I realized that like the core of my happiness was not in cold emails, cold calls, sales calls. So I just realized that like the bigger it got, that's probably what my day-to-day was going to be. It was going to be in the admin stuff, in the structure, in the sales. And I really like doing a creative vision. I like actually like getting my hands dirty in a website and I like committing to a project, right? And so it's, there's so much disconnection sometimes as an agency where every single thing that needs to be done, but your scope is only 10% of it. And then your client only does 5% of it. And it can be very draining. And so I just got to the point where when this opportunity opened up, I wasn't even looking. Like I wasn't even looking for a job. And then my fiance is one of the product engineers at Rep. And he's like, hey, they're looking for a director of marketing. I was like, you know what? That would be awesome. And so I applied and ended up getting the job. But it's not like I was looking for an out. But I think the perfect exit sort of opened up for me. Yeah. So you saw this position, you're like, wow. Holy moly, that sounds awesome. And you could share the commute with your fiance. That's probably <laughs> and you have, always have like a built-in lunch buddy. That's that's awesome. But you know, what was it like to think like, huh, like like this, like what made the what like what made it like seem to be make the most sense? Like because you even before you started your agency, you had worked in an agency. So like it spent a long time on the agency side. What what made it make sense? Yeah, that's actually my entire career is agency side. So I guess I never truly worked in-house with a single brand before. And I think it was the vision that I got to align myself with, right? So when it was the vision of my company, it was just growing a bigger agency, right? But the vision for rep is enriching lives through a shared passion of fitness. And that was something that I could wake up every single day and be like, I'm so excited that all the tasks I'm doing today are supporting that vision. Whereas when I was in agency life, every time I woke up, it was, okay, all my tasks today are just trying to grow the business. So I didn't feel like I was actually making steps towards something bigger. 
but with rep, it's, I feel very connected to the company's mission. Sure. Sure. And I think that when you're an entrepreneur, especially in the, I find this in the agency space so much, like you often start an agency because you're good at something. Yeah. Right. And so you think like, yeah, so I'll spend all my time doing that. I'll get better and that will be cool and it'll be awesome. And then you realize that your particular skill set only takes you so far because when you give yourself the CEO title or the managing director title or whatever, your job suddenly isn't doing the stuff, but rather running the organization that does the stuff. And that's really hard for a lot of people because there's a bunch of stuff in a business that just aren't, that's that, that there's a bunch of stuff in, in running a business that's not amazing. A lot of stuff that's hard. And I, I genuinely feel like if I had been running like a CPG company or some kind of like tangible good, I probably would have been a lot happier, but like the the open-endedness of a service and like contracts Mm -hmm. and stuff, you're right. It's, there's so much around that, like the, the cold emailing, the cold calling, the sales calls that you sort of get into the dirty business where if you, if you can't stomach it, like it'll suck your soul out. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and I think, and I think that, that concept of, of like connection is super, super important because if you're working with a, if you're working with clients where their business is not exciting to you, then your it's hard to get excited about your business. If you, you know, the benefit that your business is providing isn't something that's really valuable to you. I, I do remember a long time ago when I, I worked at another agency and we had been talking to like retailer after retailer after retailer every day. And we had the opportunity to go talk to a really cool nonprofit. And I even said in the meeting, like, I was so thrilled to talk to this nonprofit because selling another pair of brown pants doesn't really interest me. So, and they're like, that's, that's awesome. Like, like they were excited. And so, and so as an employee, like working with a client that, that I respected and was invested into their mission was way more interesting to me than working with a brand where it was one division out of like 30 in a company and they were really concerned about shareholder value and not about customers and that kind of stuff. So, so connection really matters, but tell me what it was like when, that discussion with your clients, your, like the clients that you liked and the clients that liked you, the clients who had just like re-upped for six months with you or whatever. <laughs> you were like, hi, this is Madison. I don't love you anymore. Or what was that discussion like? That part sucked. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was the worst part of it. I had some clients that were actually very mad about it and I I get it right. They put their trust in me, assuming I'd stick around for a while, but you know, a lot of them were actually really understanding, right? It's business at the end of the day. It's whether you're running an agency or working in house, you have to learn how to separate emotion from business decisions and I did structure my contacts or contracts in a way where there's not really much you could be up in arms about. It's a two-way street. So I always encourage that. So I would say most of them wished me well. A couple of them were a little annoyed, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun. I felt like I was letting people down, but at the end of the day, I knew that like I would be way better six months down the line. Now I haven't, have not thought twice about it. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. All right. So let's talk about, since a lot of people who, who, 
listen to this podcast, certainly not all, but a lot of them are, are agency folks or agency adjacent. And they're often looking to learn better ways to either get more clients or serve their clients better or better position themselves somehow. So as a marketing director, what do you look for in an agency? Like what stands out? Because I'm sure, I remember when I was a CMO, this was a long time ago when people still used the telephone. I actually let my voicemail fill up because I did not want to get one more cold pitch from Yeah. And and I was ruthless with, with marking people who reached out to me as spam or when people were especially persistent in their third email. It's like, hey, I emailed you two weeks ago and you haven't responded. I would politely write back something like, I thought my silence was an answer to whether or not I'm interested. But and also when I would go to trade shows, because I remember some guy like chasing me into the bathroom at a trade show like to try to pitch me on some service that I did not want. So it's like, it's not fun being the the decision maker sometimes, you know, how do agencies break through or, or providers of any sort uh, or even technology break through and get your attention? Gosh, that's, that's, that's the hardest part. This is my public apology to anyone that ever got a cold email from me. I delete all of them. And I only unsubscribe or like mark them as spam if I think they're messing up. If I think they're like breaking rules by not letting me unsubscribe or honestly, it's just a really, really bad one. So I try to be nice, but I, every LinkedIn message goes unread. Every email gets deleted because they all suck is basically what I've learned. And like, I, if I read a good one, I will usually respond and let them know that I thought they did a really good job with their cold email, but the agency, so we actually use a couple agencies and the way that our paid agency got through is actually they sent my boss a cold email and he didn't realize it was a cold email. Okay. So my advice would be don't pitch the C like the CMO or director of marketing pitch someone else. Cause they won't know it's cold email. But the reason I took their call was because I'd actually seen their content elsewhere. So they yeah. were running Facebook ads and I followed a couple of their people on LinkedIn and they were pushing very genuine content case studies that weren't fluffed up and yeah. they were super transparent about their team and their process and their pricing. So if there are companies now, I go to your website, can't find your pricing, even, even a range, like even some indication, I I usually don't want to entertain it. That's not always the case, but this company got to me because of good content. And it's funny because I know the game. I know what they're doing. Yeah, totally. Good quality content. I recognized the name and started following them, took a call two weeks later. And it was super easy sales process for them because I was already, I was like, yeah, I like you guys, let's go. Yeah, a good quality. I mean, even if it is offered in a in a in a way that you know is designed to accelerate sales, good quality content is good quality content. Like it's helpful and it helps it helps you understand them, and it allows them to show that they understand you, even before you've met. And I think that's that's super important. So, so what? Besides content, is there anything else that that really? And I, obviously, you are a, a very particular consumer because you've been on the other side. 
So your like your filter might actually be more finely tuned to throw out BS than somebody else's because you spewed the BS as well. But you know, are there other things besides good quality content that that make somebody stand out? Yeah, their sales process, I really liked their first deck. They immediately did an audit and it was a real audit, right? So I've known agency owners that they do an audit and it's literally the same deck for everyone with a couple changes here and there, or they just do a demo from SEMrush, pretend like they did some work. This company genuinely took some time to audit this. And I think what's great is there's no way they knew that I have experience in SEO and PPC and was actually able to understand what they were saying, but like they, they genuinely did the work. So that's, that's what sort of like nailed in the coffin for me of like, let's do it was because they genuinely audited our website. So I knew if they were willing to take the time and be that generous with their sales process, they would probably be a pretty good company to work with. And so far they do everything they say they're going to do and they work hard. And it all started from the moment of, Hey, let's audit your website. And then they actually did it. Right. So do you find that you, you limit your discussions with your agency specifically to the places you've contracted them for? Do you like, do you only talk about search with your search folks or do you talk about your business? So our paid company, we actually give them insight into our entire sales forecast for the whole year and our upper business goals, because I mean, and a lot of this comes from you, Tim, but my approach to marketing is that you can't silo your channels. They all work together, right? Seven to 10 touch points to make a conversion on someone and they could have started on email and ended on paid. So if you're not giving your agency insight into your other strategies, then it's not going to be super cohesive, right? And I mean, just seriously, I think about the last time I bought something, I I found it organically and then I got my abandoned cart email and then I saw ads for it later. And then I saw another email and then I finally purchased it, right? And so that's yeah. three different types of channels right there. And if their email and their paid was super off kilter, you it could be so bad as you don't even recognize that it's the same company trying to talk to you, yeah, right? Right. So we make sure yeah. that they know, hey, that we're doing this social campaign. Here are all the assets if you want to use it in paid. Like, hey, this is a strategy and something we're doing yeah. for Black Friday. Right. Like, so interestingly enough, I've had this exact conversation twice today where where people are kind of like stuck. They're they're where agencies don't know that they should be asking their clients to let them know like what else is going on. And, and lots of, lots of agencies say something like, well, we asked for a promo calendar. Yep. Well, great. You know, but that doesn't really help you serve knowing like, like there is, is rep fitness's big push or are we trying to sell like brand new items or are we trying to like clear out inventory? Are we really focused on second purchasers because we know they become fifth purchasers or are we really focused on new to file? Do we want to overweight the products where people buy things full price versus people who only buy on sale and all that sort of stuff. And if, if your agency doesn't know that stuff it's really hard for them to help you accomplish that goal. Yeah. And so what turns you off about an agency? Like what makes you think like, oh my God, like they get these people out of my- I think I don't like when agencies are too pushy. I get a lot of condescending messages in my inbox and I don't know if it's, I don't, I, 
I, that's, that's the big thing for me is if a, they don't give me time to respond and they immediately do it. Hey, did you see this? Hey, did you see this? Hey, can I talk to you? Or if they try to go too fast, right? I mean, you've said this before, it's like dating, like someone will hop into my LinkedIn and the first message is six paragraphs. I'm not reading it. I'm not reading it at all. Yeah. Like, how could you possibly know what my business challenges are if you don't even know anything about the business and there's no way you do or know anything about me if you immediately send me your sales pitch within 30 seconds of connecting yeah. on LinkedIn and I'll connect with everyone. I'll give everyone a shot to try to get me in my inbox and they usually fail because they, I don't know, if you're trying to get big contracts, you have to put in a little bit of work and the work doesn't start the yeah, second absolutely. that you connect with someone that's when your work starts. And if people took the time to like actually look at rep, see what we were doing, and then talk to me about something that they could genuinely help with, I would be open to it. But nine times out of 10, they pull like the last little nugget from one of my LinkedIn posts, try to sneak it in there. And I'm like, I own a, a business that does help companies do lead generation or business development on, on LinkedIn. It's called Retriever. And they're, they're in the, in the like sales outreach world. There is all this stuff. Like you're going to have your one line icebreaker or whatever. And that stuff is actually just, it's like, it's so hard to do well. And it's so bad when you don't do it well, that it's really like, it's probably better to not do it to not sort of try to personalize something if you're just going to half-ass it and just wait for someone to tell you it's okay to talk. So let, let me ask you this question. What do you wish agencies did when they're working with you that they're not? And we're not going to talk about, I mean, and you can talk about this in specific or in general, but it's, in no way am I asking you to slam your your, <laughs> your existing relationships unless you want to. And we'll, I, I wouldn't have thought, but not, it's, that's kind of petty. But so like, what, what are like the, what are the mistakes or maybe it's the, where, where are the places that agencies could be adding value to you, but they aren't? Ooh, yeah, these might be uh, personal preferences of mistakes that agencies that work with us have done. One, I, I mean, I have a couple. One is a poorly structured contract where you feel like every conversation you're getting nickel and dime for. That's not a partnership. That's super transactional and yep. that isn't great. And that's that's on the agency, right? Structure your contract so I don't feel that way, but make sure you get paid what you're worth. Like there are ways to do it. Two was the follow-up right? We all know that there's give and take on both sides. If your client's not giving you what you need, then you can't get what you get done. But if you only ask once or you don't create a level of conversation, then I'm probably going to be like, well, you obviously don't care that much. Like you're probably glad I didn't send it to you because you don't have to do it now. Right. So I would say actually having a rapport, not just your monthly meeting and then your follow-up email, like let's actually be partners with our clients, especially for high paying clients. And then I think, yeah, I think the other thing is not willing to contribute, like we talked earlier to the overall business goals, right? If you hyper-focus too much on your speciality, then I do think you leave a lot on the table. But if you can help translate what your paid strategy, your email strategy is doing for the rest of the business, then we'll probably continue to reinvest in you and maybe even expand services, right? But if you never show your, I don't want to say show your worth because I don't think you should, you know, do free work. But if you can't make those connections, then 
will right. probably listen to someone that is making them. Yeah. So, so here, here's a question. This would be specific to, to how you think or how Rep thinks about, about single channel return on ad spend. Because in the, the world of paid media, everybody's obsessed with return on ad spend. But as we just talked about, so given your example of, of how someone might buy something, return on ad spend, single, same channel return on ad spend is, is a little bit of a fool's errand. But, you know, what do you, what do you think about people focusing on return, return on ad spend as a way to prove their worth? Yeah, I, here's how I look at return on ad spend. We have such a varying product offering that some of our products have a really big margin. Some have a really little margin. So where I use RAS is I try to make sure that we know what our break-even RAS is. And then on yep. that, we build it into strategy, right? So I'm not constantly looking for the best return ever. I'm just making sure that we're profitable. And then I make sure that our paid strategy is supporting what else is happening in the business, right? So if we know I, I just think people, I'm with you, like they focus way too much on the number and not what it's actually contributing because they can't look beyond last click attribution or the direct dollar. It's not that they, it's, it's not that they can't, it's they won't. Yeah. Right. Because that, that requires more investments and more thought, right. And it, and it requires a, l- a little more giving of themselves to, to think about, about your business more broadly, but you know something that that comes up all the time when working with with companies that are doing a lot of paid advertising is sort of like trying to justify the different ways that the different platforms measure return on ad spend. Like Facebook thinks about it their way, Google Paid Search thinks about it one way, Google Display Network thinks about it a different way, Critio thinks about it a third way, TikTok thinks about it a fourth way, and so. Like it's, it's like there is no apples to apples comparison. So you can't, you can't really say that even if the return on ad spend is wildly different, that, that one platform is definitely performing empirically better than another because you don't have any consistent way of measuring them. How do you, how do you, how do you think about that? I guess that's always sort of been my understanding. So I, and I think, I think we've had to do some education on our end as well, but I think that's where, that's, that's why we set our minimum, right? Like we know where we're profitable and then beyond profitability, we know that there's so much variance, right? Even from how we look at Facebook to how we look at Google, right? Even then from paid search to paid social, it can be so different. So totally. Yeah, I think I it's it's interesting because like I don't hyper focus on it. I hyper focus on the entire the whole product's line of like what we're pushing at yeah. it. So I don't know, right. it's it's a hard one. I think if I wasn't in the background that I have, I, I would be sitting here being like, Well, Rose is important. We we have to know what the numbers are. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I think something that 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 I've been suggesting that like some of my clients think about is, is really think about it to try to remove all the variables and just think about like effective return on ad spend. So if you look at your ad spend versus your entire business, so I spent 
$12,000 this month on advertising and we made $120,000. Cool. Great. That's I've, now I have a number and that, and that way I don't have to worry about how different platforms count the, the value yeah. that we're bringing. And then, and then you can sort of compare that over month over month. And is your effective return on ad spend getting better or not? Yeah. Or your effect or your effective cost per acquisition getting better or not. And I, and I think that's, we, that's how, I just feel like that's a, a cleaner way to look at it. Um, you know, I, that's, I'm glad you, I have this really awesome, like master marketing sheet where we pull in like key metrics from every single channel. And then one of the numbers that I look at religiously and is my primary focus is customer acquisition costs. Right. And so understanding how all the channels work together to that high level goal when it comes to looking at like paid reports, okay, fluctuation from 20 to 25. Whereas if you hyper-focus on that, you're like, what the heck? Like that's such a huge difference. But when yeah. looking at the big picture, hey, am I achieving my goal of reducing customer acquisition costs, increasing lifetime value? Then those little right. fluctuations aren't as fire setting as long as you're allowing them to work towards the bigger company goal. And I think that's, if I was a paid company right now, that's the first thing I would ask for is like, Hey, can we also track this? Because if you're only looking at paid numbers, you can probably find something to get upset about every week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also when you're, and also when you're looking at a resolution of every week, well, that's pretty short. Yeah. When people get really concerned about week over week performance, whatever, it was cold that week and people didn't shop or it was cold that week and they did shop. And that's, that's a variable that we don't really have control over. So it's better perhaps to look at things in a slightly, slightly uh, uh, lower resolution, I think. All right. So, so I don't want to take up all your time here because you're, you're a busy person spreading fitness throughout the land and making everybody's home gyms better. Before we go, give me, give me just like a minute on what it's like to stop being an entrepreneur or, or leading, you know, or, or being an entrepreneur and leading a team versus working as part of a team. How, like how did it go from, from being, from being the boss to not the boss? How did that, how did that work for you? Because I'll tell you the truth. I have tried it and I'm, I do not like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I would. So there's definitely hurdles to it. Obviously, there's a lot more oversight in, to me and even me as a person that has been just a massive shift, right? But I still feel like I get to scratch like the entrepreneurial itch because I do feel a lot of ownership over what I do at Rep, right? I get to run the creative and run the e-com department. And so I I genuinely see the impact of my decisions. I I think I got lucky. I think that not everyone's going to get to transition in-house in a position where they do run two departments and that they do have a direct impact on business decisions. And honestly, if I wasn't in this position, I would probably be unhappy, right? If I went into a bigger company or a company that was structured differently, uh, it's, I, it's probably with you. I probably maybe would have bowed out. So I think I got lucky is really the better answer because I'm so fortunate that the people I work with, especially the people above me feel, I mean, they're super entrepreneurial, right? So there's kindred spirits. I feel like the mentorship I was probably missing as an agency owner, I'm getting from yeah. the leadership at rep. So 
to me, it's, it almost feels like a more well-rounded experience than what I was doing. So yeah, yeah there are so, times where I'm like, I'd like to go snowboarding and it's Wednesday, of course, but I, I just feel so much more fulfilled in my day-to-day that it was worth giving up some of the benefits. Yeah, of yeah. Being so, so I think, and, and I want to, I want to sort of reshape what you said. I don't think you got lucky. I think you made a great choice. They're, they're different, right? Like you didn't get lucky with rep. Like you saw how you fit in. So, and I think, and you, you it clearly the culture resonated with you. And I think that's, that's what made the, the transition so good for you is that you ended up in a, in a place that supported you in a way that you couldn't as a solo, as a, as an entrepreneur. Awesome. Well, everybody, this is Madison Copeland. She's the director of marketing at Rep Fitness, a Denver based, Denver, Colorado based, amazing home fitness equipment seller who is has a high a, a pretty highly tuned bs filter so uh, any of you agency owners who are going to reach out to her make sure that you're bringing your a plus game and also madison also has access to lots of heavy gym equipment so don't piss her off because she can probably throw a bunch of it at you but tim we're we're looking for help with our emails so for anyone that listens to this if you want to give it your best shot to try and get into my inbox or my linkedin go ahead. <laughs> All right. We have a cha- I think challenge accepted. And I'm sure, I, I'm sure that people will, will be, will be responding. Thank you so much, Madison. And this has been the Kilroy reports. Thanks, Tim. Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.